Welcome to the Let's Get Down to Business podcast. I'm your host today, Charlotte Newman, and today I want to chat to you about one of our niche service offerings, which is to traders. So whether you're brand new to trading, have dabbled in it as a self-employed financial trader, or simply want to take your trading to the next level, then this podcast is for you. To help with this, I'm joined today by Caroline Ward and Christopher Newman, both partners at A4G LLP. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Chris. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you, Charlotte. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. So for any of our listeners who are not aware, we at A4G offer specialist advice to a range of traders and brokers in each type of market and have dealt with various trading houses over the years. We have the plethora of experience in keeping the administrative burden in this area to a minimum, and whilst also ensuring our clients have easy to use and understand structures. However, there are a lot of questions um, that Caroline and Chris get asked on a daily basis from traders all over the country. So we just wanted to pull them together and get the most common questions answered for you all in one place today. So to kick us off, Caroline, what is the difference between a trader and an investor and how is income on each of these taxed? Well, that's a a great question, Charlotte. And it's often the very first question that we're asked by potential trader clients. And it's key to getting that right, because there are uh, big differences in the way that the income is taxed, depending on which whether you are categorized as a trader or an investor. So an investor would be somebody that doesn't always necessarily make their own decisions about the transaction. So they may use the services of an expert to give them some advice. They would often have a full-time job or another source of income and only carry out a few transactions a month, maybe spend a very, very small amount of time on this and also not use the income to support their lifestyle in any way. So it's very much a, a hobby, a way of generating an investment return, really. Mm-hmm. With a, a trader, that's somebody that's carrying out financial trading with an intention of generating an income to cover all of their day-to-day expenses and it's effectively their full-time occupation so they don't necessarily have another source of income and they'll be spending an awful lot of time on their trading often sort of eight nine hours a day and also carrying out a very high volume of trades so very frequent trading only holding positions open for a very short period of time just with a high volume of transactions it's not always very clear cut though, because obviously everybody has individual circumstances. So sometimes you may find that you are carrying a little bit falling in between the two. So that's why it's important to talk to us and actually look at the way that your income is, the pattern of your income and the transactions that you're generating so that we can work out whether you are a trader or an investor. Brilliant. And would they be taxed differently? Yes. In that case? Yes. So if you're an investor, you pay tax under the capital gains tax rules. Mm -hmm. So that means you get an annual allowance each year and then you pay tax at 10% or 20% on the profits that you you make after deducting the allowance. If you're a trader, then you pay tax under the income tax rules. So you pay tax and national insurance on the profits that you're generating and you will pay tax at either 20% or 40% or 45%, depending on what level of profits you're generating. The rules are slightly different about expenses for each one and what you're allowed to offset in terms of whether you're an investor or a trader is slightly different. Mm-hmm. But it's also very important that you get it right because obviously you, you could potentially be paying quite a lot of tax under either of those regimes if you're not accounting for it correctly 
Exactly. So what would be the first thing someone needs to do if they are either of these? So the first thing they need to do is is establish exactly which tax regime they should be falling under. So that's, I mean, there's lots of information on our website about helpful articles that you can read to have a look at which one you fall into, or you can speak to us for one of our consultations and we can help you look at how you should be taxed. And then it's a case of getting you registered with HMRC and then putting in place the correct accounting controls. So you'll need to think about how you keep your accounting records, what expenses you need to record, and also just keeping a record of all the transactions. Fantastic. So, Chris, um, a common question we actually get asked is whether traders need to tell HMRC if they're spread betting and whether they need to keep any records. So have you got any advice for our listeners on that side of things? Yeah, great question. We get asked that quite a lot. So under the laws of HMRC and on their general advice on their website is that spread betting is, isn't taxable or deemed as a taxable source of income. Uh, it's always guarded in the same way that um, gambling would be. Uh, and it hasn't there's no requirement to declare any of that income from a tax perspective obviously if you by all means you can you can declare it as taxable income and treat it as a, under a company structure or per se um because one of the main sticking points that we say is that you may you may earn all of this from spread betting but then there's no way you can declare it for lending purposes um mm-hmm. so if this is your only form of income, you may there may be other factors to consider rather than just seeing it from a tax perspective. Oh, that's brilliant advice, Chris. And would be this would this be the same if someone was trading, say, cryptocurrencies and foreign exchange, or are they something different? No, so cryptocurrencies uh, they're, they're they're still deemed as taxable. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it basically same purposes for as Karen I mentioned for investing, or if you're going to do trading on a full time basis, uh, it's very much deemed in the same way that foreign exchanges the only thing with cryptocurrency obviously the the values go up and down quite they're quite volatile Mm -hmm. so on that purpose it's more deemed towards investment because you're holding that those the uh the investment for quite a long period of time but yes it is definitely different from spread betting oh brilliant thank you and um caroline chris touched on this but what is the best company structure then that a trader rather than an investor should use and can they actually do this through a pension fund so yes actually pension funds can be a great way for investors to be generating a return because pensions by their very nature are long term and if you are trading your pension funds, then everything that you're doing is obviously within a tax-free wrapper. So if you're making significant gains, then those remain in your pension funds. Um, Obviously, you need to think about using your pension funds before carrying out such trading, because obviously pensions are there to provide a long-term investment for your future. So obviously, we'd only recommend that you were trading your pension funds if you were confident in your trading ability. Mm-hmm. Um, it would need to be within a SIP and you'd also need to have a, a really good understanding of it. Just It's a very different mentality from generating a short-term return to a slightly longer return. So I think that's a, just an important thing to bear in mind. Um, but if you are trading as a trader and generating a an income to cover your day-to-day lifestyle, then you need to have a look at whether you're structured as either a sole trader or as a limited company. Um, it also depends on your situation because there, there could be 
situations where something like an LLP could suit you but that depends on whether you've got business partners involved in things but if it's just an individual then as a general rule of thumb if you're making profits of up to about £30,000 a year then trading as a a sole trader is probably the right sort of level for you Mm -hmm. but if you're you're generating profits above that, then it's probably best to look at structuring it through a limited company, just because then you can draw your money in a tax efficient way. And you're paying uh, rates of corporation tax on the profits rather than paying personal tax. So those rates are lower. And and it's the best way to start out then as a sole trader. So say a lot of our listeners are probably um, maybe employed, um, and they just started um, out with trading, the best place to start is being a sole trader then? I tend to recommend, yeah, I tend to recommend that people do that just because trading as itself is a very volatile industry and it's not always something that works for everybody initially. And a lot of people I've spoken to over the over the last few years have been trading on live on demo accounts and started off in that way and have been very successful and then when they've made the transition to live accounts it hasn't always worked quite as well for them Mm -hmm. so I would always recommend that people start as a sole trader and then as they've gone along got an established trading pattern and are making profits consistently then we look at moving across to a limited company I mean that is quite generic because obviously if somebody's got other sources of income and Mm -hmm. or there's other reasons for using a limited company then that it might be that that's more appropriate for them it just it depends okay brilliant Uh, actually Caroline you um, touched on this one and I wanted to uh, ask Chris that a common question we get from our followers is what expenses traders can actually claim and is there anything that can often be missed such as household expenses because I presume most traders usually just start off doing so from home especially over maybe the last 18 months trying something new so what expenses can you know traders and particularly actually claim when it comes to um offsetting their income of course there's the, the, the generic costs that you have associated with all trading um but the big the big sticking point is yes you can claim an allowance for working from home like you do the recommended allowance from hmrc varies between 10 to 12 pound a week or the, you can have a slightly more aggressive approach depending on your circumstances where you um take percentage of your overall household bills uh, and then divided by the number of rooms that you're working in in your house, flat, apartment, etc., uh, and taking overall proportion that way. Other other ge- general costs are well, obviously, of course, you you can obviously offset all your commissions and fees that you suffer on any trades, uh, any any train house fees that you incur, and any software that you use. They're all the general costs. And you've obviously got all the overheads that you have, such as telephone. Um, computer software, any new assets you need to purchase, uh, obviously our accountancy fees, um, that sort, that sort of thing. Yes. Can I just interject there as well? Because the mm-hmm. rules are, sl- are very slightly different. If you're a, if you're investing, then mm-hmm. you can't unfortunately claim all of those costs that Chris mentioned. You can actually only claim the transaction costs associated with the the actual transactions that you're doing. Ah, so, so it's a very distinct difference. Yeah, yes, yeah, so and the rules are very slightly different for investors. So the investors are very uh, more restricted to what they can yes. claim against it. Yes. Ah, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Was well, it a very good point to note? So when someone has decided whether they're a trader investor, to ensure that they then offset the right costs against it and don't get you know caught out that way. 
Exactly, exactly. Because I think you know, HMRC do have departments that specialise in looking at trader tax returns. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you just need to make sure that your returns are correct. Oh, interesting. And interestingly, actually, Caroline, on that point, Chris mentioned, obviously, that um, there isn't that many costs really associated with a trader as as a lot of other owner managed businesses in some way, because it's just one person. Yes. Um, we often find that family members are involved in dealing with some of the administrative burden when it comes to any type of business. But can traders pay themselves or their family members um, some of the money that they earn from the business? Uh, if they're trading as a limited company, then there generally is a little bit more administration involved in that company. And it depends on the circumstances, really. Some of our traders will use the limited company to pay their other half a dividend out of the company. Um, but that tends to depend on personal circumstances and obviously how much income they're looking to to draw. Sometimes I find that traders want to draw up to the basic rate bands, which is around £50,000, and not take anything more than, than that from the structure because they're trying to keep everything in, in their trading accounts to maximise their leverage. If they want to be drawing more income than that, then using family members can be an efficient way of doing so. But obviously, you need to ensure that the family member has a, a clearly defined role in the company that you can support to justify that return being paid to them if HMRC were ever to challenge it. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. And can they claim things for like a company car and that sort of, you know, typical owner-managed costs? <laughs> yeah, that depends on how they're, they're structured, really. If they're running their business through an LLP, then the rules around company cars can be quite favourable. Mm-hmm. If they're operating as a limited company, then we tend to avoid recommending company cars to all of our owner managers just because of the extortionate rates of mm-hmm. company car tax you'd pay. Um, obviously, the rates are quite favourable for electric vehicles, but not everybody wants to drive one of those. If you're a sole trader, you could be claiming mileage. But in reality, you'd need to be able to justify the business miles that you were doing. Mm-hmm. And most of these traders are working from home and don't necessarily have another place that they would go. I mean, they do occasion- obviously occasionally meet with associates or the, the brokerage that they're working with or the trade some of the trading houses but mm-hmm. there's not Very. it's not day-to-day traveling to visit customers as as a sort of a, a more mainstream business may do no exactly and chris we get a lot of questions where a client are trading in accounts with foreign currencies like dollars and euros how is that actually accounted for in their year-end figures which are obviously all in the great british pound yeah so we normally take the month end value exchange rate for transactions so it's done on it's done on a monthly basis really which is more of a it's quite a generic way of doing it but to do it on a day day by day trade an exchange rate would is a lot is a lot of work and is a lot of overkill so normally the trading houses can provide monthly statements and we work we work with that and the foreign exchanges then worked out on that. So if there's a profit or a loss that's declared, whether you're self-employed or for a limited company structure, that's um, that's declared as expenditure mm-hmm. or other income, really. Um, and then any transfer, if if you've got a limited company and there's any transfers between accounts or you're you're moving money around, again, well that that's normally taken on a on the, on the day that. The value, the exchange rate on that day, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's all accounted for and it's all it's all pulled together for the year end purposes. 
Ah, so we just convert the dollars and euros into pounds at the end of the period and it just gets accounted for in that value in our accounts. Absolutely, yes. Ah, brilliant. So that's quite um quite a simple way. But when it comes to keeping accounting records for that, how how would someone start out in that process? Because it sounds like there's, you know, dealing with different currencies that could be quite confusing. What's what's the best or simplest way that um a trader can start um hold you know keeping records and of all these transactions yeah that's a great question charlotte and a really important consideration because these trading accounts they they run almost like bank accounts so you get regular statements from them and what you can do is if you're using an accounting package like zero then we can give you some training show you exactly how to get that information into the accounting package so then you can have a really good understanding of the profits that you're making on each of the individual accounts as you're going on throughout the year and with zero as well you can break it down into the different currencies so you can use multi-currency on the package so that will deal with the conversion issues as well so you're getting accurate information in in real time for you so it just means that you know exactly where you are and we can help be proactive and show you how to work out what your corporation tax liability that would be accruing so you could be planning do you know that you need to be setting that money aside and it's also a good opportunity for us to review those figures 10 months after the end of the accounting period so a couple of months before the end of your next accounting period to have a look to see if there's anything that we need to do before the end of the year so for example if you were to make pension contributions to that's a great way of reducing corporation tax liabilities but they have to be made in the accounting period in which they relate to you can't make them after the year end so using a package like zero would mean you've got accurate information which means that we can then advise on proactive tax planning issues to to help reduce your tax bills brilliant and is there any other taxes i need to worry about i mean i assume that it's um not attributable to vat for example but is there any other sort of tax or tax relief that um are prominent to traders okay so uh with traders, they obviously are entitled to claim the capital allowances for any computer equipment they buy, any um, sort of allowances for sort of routine plant and machinery and things like that. And there's also other tax relief such as research and development, which is a tax credit that is given by the government to encourage businesses to be innovative in the scientific or technological fields. So financial traders if they are developing their own trading programs such as an algorithm that will carry out the trading for them then that can sometimes qualify for R&D and that can give you enhanced expenditure which is another way of reducing your corporation tax bills. Ah brilliant. How do traders deal with investors and what are the FCO regulations around that sort of thing because obviously we've talked about investors being different to traders. Um, and I believe that they're regulated investors. If you're an investor and you're only investing your own money and you're making all of your own decisions, then you don't need to be regulated by the FCA. You only need to be regulated by the FCA if you are managing transactions on behalf of other people and managing other people's money. The FCA rules are really quite complicated. Mm-hmm. And it's if you do 
find yourself in a situation where you need to be regulated by the FCA, then it's important that you speak to them as quickly as possible and get any um, registration started and any paperwork in place just because the penalties for not being registered if you're carrying out regulated activities are really quite steep. Mm-hmm. But for the, for the mainstream individual that's just managing a pot and has got interest in cryptocurrency and various long-term investments because they're just interested in the financial markets, they won't need to be invest. They won't need to be regulated by the FCA. Brilliant. Well, just to wrap up then today, um, Caroline, Chris, can Caroline actually just give us um, one last piece of practical advice when it comes to becoming or thinking of becoming a trader? I think, I mean, I've been working with financial traders for probably 15 or 16 years now. And I think the biggest thing that I've picked up from working with those individuals is actually it's all about mindset and it's taking emotion out of the trading and making sure that it's very, it's all performed very much just consistently, calmly and at the end of the day, if you're feeling that your emotions are allowing you to to trade, then you should be walking away from it. And that's either if you're on a winning streak or a losing streak, you should be walking away. You should be approaching the trading in a very calm way because, I mean, we've seen lots of individuals over the years that have been incredibly successful and also some that really haven't. And I think, I mean, I, I appreciate that mindset's not about tax and accountancy, but it is something that I've picked up through talking to these individuals and I think it is it's very important oh well that's that's honestly a fantastic um piece of advice to uh, to end our um episode on Caroline so thank you for joining us today no that's great it's been really wonderful thank you Charlotte thank you well next week we'll be discussing remote working as the future the good the not so good and the interesting so if you have any questions on this topic please email them over to inquiries at a4g-llp.co.uk in the meantime head to our social media at a4g chartered accountants or at a4g accountants for traders where we're providing a lot more guidance on the areas discussed today and many others alternatively check out our website specifically for traders at www.accountantsfortraders.co.uk, which is full of free tools, guidance, and plenty of food for the thought to help your business. I've been your host, Charlotte, and this is Let's Get Down to Business. To business. To business.